0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: This place is special. You get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. <laughs> it's <laughs> raining. They don't care. <laughs> they don't. These fans right we're as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns it! Touchdown, Oregon! They're making deposits. Time
0: to cash a check.
1: Sound and awesome
0: is deafening for an Oregon 15-point
1: win. Chip Kelly
0: still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Good afternoon, Duck fans. It's the QB11 show presented by Scoop ScoopDuck. I am Doug Scott, joined by QB11 himself. Andrew, good afternoon, sir.
1: Good afternoon, Doug. I'm glad we're doing this a little bit earlier in the day. I think it's going to be a nice change up. We'll have a little bit more energy as we're not dreading the week as much.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's so. We'll get it out there. We didn't do the uh, post game last night, so I-, I thought about it. I was actually driving back from I was out of town uh, for my son's birthday. So I was driving back yesterday afternoon and evening. And so by the time I would have had time to record, it would have been like five or six hours after the game ended. And I'm like, what am I going to say about this game? Like Oregon showed up. They kicked ass and they went home like there, I couldn't think of 15 minutes of, of content by myself at that point in time. But I thought, well, we'll have plenty to talk about today with QB. And so we're getting this out a little earlier, which will be nice for everyone. And then, yeah, then it's uh, rivalry week number two with the Beavers coming to town, everything on the line. And uh, we'll talk about that uh, later in the week more, of course. But let's get into this game. QB, uh, Oregon goes down to the desert. Um, as I've been saying for weeks, if you you have been saying for a while now, like, you know, this is not those teams, you know, and, and maybe hopefully finally now more and more Duck fans will, will kind of move beyond some of those fears of the past and kind of embrace that, that this coaching staff and this program and these players have a different kind of approach to how they prepare and how they think about these games, especially, you know, road games against you know, competition that frankly they're they're much better than and should win, and 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 that's exactly what happened here. I think the final score was forty nine to thirteen, but uh, the game was what forty two zip at one point. Yeah, 42-0 at halftime. Yeah, so let's let's start there. I mean, let's start with Bo Nix. Um, you know, we've been talking about this. He just continues to seem like like some sort of light switched on or flip switched or whatever you want to say, but. There's, like, pre-Washington game, including Washington game, Bo Nix, and then Bo Nix after the Washington game. I I, don't, I think it's more like Utah, post-Utah,
1: or, like, during like the Utah game is where it flipped because, like, I understand that, like, the narrative nationally and, and within the conference from, like, rivals fans is, oh, Bo, Bo Nix just checks down. Everything's behind the line of scrimmage. Everything's short. <laughs> it's just dink and dunk football. Like, since the Utah game, it really hasn't been at all. In fact, it's been, like, kind of inverted. I think Bo... Bo's playing the best ball of his career, and I think a big part of that is because we've completely opened up the entire field to him, and he's just in complete command, and he's really just throwing absolute daggers in, into the deep, deep, uh, deep thirds of the field. I mean, like, whether it's between the hashes, outside the numbers, he's just been so accurate, um, and I, I think two of his best balls were, I mean, the Tez Johnson one probably isn't a drop, but it's close to a drop, um, and then there was the Ferguson drop, which was also a dime, so... Uh, Bo's playing fantastic football. The passing game becoming more vertical. We makes this offense entirely unstoppable because they can go lateral. We can run the ball inside. We can run the ball outside. We have a great screen game. That's always well-timed and well-planned. We have a quarterback that can run the ball to get us numbers in the box. We have a quarterback who's super efficient and doesn't make mistakes in the RPO game to get us numbers in the box. We can also go vertical on the outside with our X and Z receivers, or we can absolutely dice you up in the middle with our tight ends and and slot receivers. So it's – this offense has taken a huge step forward with the progression the Knicks has made um, over the last, in my opinion, like three or four weeks.
0: Yeah. I think if you're, if you're calling it a check down offense, then, I mean, you just haven't been watching the game, right. You know, in the last, you know, since five, like you said, four or five games, but I mean, the reality is, is like, yeah, do they throw some short passes? Of course, because that's smart, right? If you've got a running back out of the backfield with nobody within 10 yards of him and he can run for 12 yards without being touched. That's a smart football play.
1: <laughs> it's, you know, like, it's part uh, of the offense too. Like it's right, it's right. That's how. That's why our run game is so efficient. Is because we have those things built into the run game. I, I wouldn't consider those part of the drop back passing game.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just silly to say like that's some somehow that's a negative if you're throwing a, a pass to a guy who then can run for a lot of yards like and that's somehow somehow being construed by some people as a negative which is just Also throwing to, to wide open guys cuz that's just like that's the yeah. sign of a well-designed offense. Yeah. Yeah. Enough about that. Uh, yeah, Bo Nicks, 24 for 29, 404 yards, six touchdowns, 13.9 yards per attempt, which is pretty hard to do if you're just throwing balls behind the line of scrimmage. So I think some of those must have been downfield at least. But uh, more touchdowns than incompletes. He also threw a seventh touchdown pass at the first drive of the third that quarter, warped. which was wiped away by you know the an offensive pass interference call uh, for a push-off on Ferguson, which, first of all, is a call we talked about this a couple last week in the Utah Washington game. I was mean, a call you almost never see made in, in, in football and, and both the times, you know, last week against Utah and now against Oregon, like they're, they're the most like, <laughs> it's a ticky tack. I, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to make the extremely rare offensive pass interference call, like at least wait for like a truly egregious, like, sh- you know, push off. Yeah, it was a complete joke. There, there's yeah. no there's no
1: reason for it. He didn't even make full extension. He had a, he had a fantastic release, which was not physical. It was more of a receiver release than anything else. Ball was placed well. He just elevated above him and made a catch. I mean, I'm not somebody that gets all caught up in the single game records and stuff, but like he, Bo had earned that one. That was a good ball. It was a well executed play. And then that judge in the corner just couldn't get like couldn't get to his flag fast enough to interject himself into the game in a completely meaningless way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it was puzzling. Uh, obviously, Bo was in command, like we've talked about. Troy, Ty Thompson came in, played most of the second half. They obviously were running most of that time, but he did throw four of six for fifty nine yards, a touchdown, and an interception on a on a kind of a deep out route. He threw the ball late. His arm was also hit, so that may have had an impact on that. But it was a bad decision either way.
1: Yeah, the, the his touchdown pass was an absolute dime, though. That was a great ball. His rail shot against cover two right into the hole, not a huge window, and it was in the only spot it really could have been for a touchdown. So, like, I, I think that the, the signs of his physical talent are apparent. It's just, like, the interception He still doesn't look particularly comfortable. It's not, like, super fluid with him. Um, but he has gotten a lot better. I would say that both of our quarterbacks have, and I think that's a testament to the job Will Stein's done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely see an improvement in his game this year, and, and obviously he's he's uh, going to be one of the people competing for the job next year. And we'll see how that all shakes out. And that's that's a subject for the off season talk. And we'll have plenty of that coming up on the ground game. I mean, it was clear that Arizona was was going to do everything they could to prevent the running game from really get going. And I thought they really they, they did a lot of blitzing in this game. Both, but they did a lot of run blitzing too. I mean, they were. They were really bringing a lot of a lot of uh, players around the ball, and I think that we saw Oregon Just okay, well, then we'll we'll take those shots downfield and, and score quickly that way. But Bucky did go for sixty three yards on eleven carries, which was a, a, a you know a good average for him. Jordan James had another forty eight. Uh, Dante and Jaden both got some late run in this game, and both had a uh, you know some nice runs in their limited time too. So overall, the the team did run for one hundred and forty yards, which is which is a good number. But the passing game was was the story here. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: Arizona state sold out. They played a lot of man coverage. They begged Bo to beat them. I don't know if this was Kenny doing Nick's a favor for the Heisman. I I don't know what it was, but it it was the decision that they had made schematically that they were going to try to take away the run game um, and make us beat them over the top. And we did like very consistently and Bo played lights out football. And um, I don't think that they, it's not like they were like dominating the line of scrimmage. We still were effective in the run game. I, I think Bucky, Still averaged over six yards a carry in this game. Uh, Jordan James ran well. But it was just like it's one of those cases where depending on what the defense does, your offense is going to skew one way or the other if you're balanced and Oregon's balanced. And so with uh, them playing hyper-aggressive, blitzing a lot up front, stacking boxes, numbers in the box, um, Oregon did exactly kind of what you'd expect them to do in that situation and, and went up top and um, got got Troy Franklin his well-deserved records um and he's number one in pretty much every meaningful category for Oregon receivers now, um, as he should be since he's the best Oregon receiver of all time. Um and uh yeah, it was it was cool. We got got Bucky over a thousand yards, you got Troy to twelve hundred for a single season record, I believe is it thirteen or fourteen receiving touchdowns? A thirteen
0: touchdowns, which is also a record still short on the reception record, but it will it will go down potentially as early as the Civil War game. What's the what's the number he has to get to on that one? He have to get to seventy seven to tie it. And he's at sixty eight, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah, I think he's right around nine short. Right. Yeah. So, so it'll, it'll probably you know, take the Pac twelve title game,
1: but yeah, but that will come down soon as well. So, um, <clears throat> it it is just it was a dominant performance across the board. I thought the offensive line played really well. There was some fun wrinkles where they had um, uh, Poncho come in as the U tight end and then um, come come across as a wham blocker. <laughs> That was fun. Um, (laughs) They had stole that from Kansas the week before. I would would love if we steal more stuff from Kansas because I think Lance, we'll we'll talk about them soon, but Lance Leipold and that offense are really, really fun to watch. Uh, But I don't have a ton to add here. This was just a complete dominant offensive performance. It was fun to see the young guys get a lot of run in the second half of the game, Um, and uh, it was cool to see. uh, This is true on both sides of the ball, but basically if you're from Arizona and you're young, you played a lot of snaps in this game, which was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and I, I like to see, I always like to see the, the team always seems to think about those kind of little wrinkles. Right. When, you know, we, we, when we we're playing in Seattle, the captains of the game were all players who were either from that area or, or in the case of uh, Taki had had played on that team, you know, on that for that team in the past. So, you know, little little stuff like that, I you know, it's always nice to see. And, you know, they got uh, Darian Anderson, a catch in this game and late in the game, he's a walk on receiver, very well liked by the team, really hard worker. Um, the, the room really like likes him and so you could just see they panned over him to, on the sideline after he caught the ball and like all the receivers were just going nuts and celebrating for him you know making that play which is the, you know the kind of you know camaraderie and connection and the culture that you know dan and everybody have been building and talking about so much here
1: yeah that that kind of stuff is really cool and i think that 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 speaks to like yeah arizona state scored 13 points in the second half of this game but the standard was upheld. Like guys were competing, whether it was a walk on or a true freshman, um, or somebody who has played a thousand or played six hundred snaps this year, or someone that's played twenty. Um, everybody was playing hard, uh, and everyone was like, you could, you could see the connection on the team, and you could see that you could see the buy in, and I think that's huge. And and these are really good opportunities, and I think that that shouldn't be overlooked. Like Bo coming out and playing as well as he did, and, and enabling us to get that lead at halftime gave us essentially a whole half of really quality development, uh, developmental reps against Arizona state starters for our young guys.
0: Yeah. Let's go back over to Troy real quick. I do want to, I do want to spend a little time talking a little bit about, you know, where he stands in the record book and, and just kind of, I mean, we're witnessing as you and I both have said for a long time. I mean, the greatest receiver in, in duck football history. And I don't think that's um, hyperbolic or untrue at all. So for, Career receptions. He's now he moved past Braylon Addison and Josh Huff into eighth on the all-time list at 147. He needs 29 more to tie Sammy Parker for number one. Now, 29 in one, two, three games minimum, potentially four. It's that's it's hard, uh, and I wouldn't necessarily predict him to do it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but certainly, even even if he doesn't get that number, he could move into the top five just by getting 15 more. You know, gets him to top five. So that's that's possible. Single season, as we said, Sammy Parker holds a record of 77. Troy is now at 68, which is fourth all time. That one is almost certainly going to fall. Receiving yards, uh, career wise, he's now eighth at 2300. Um, he needs about 40 yards to pass Jeff Huth for seventh. Probably hundred and seventy to pass Kristen McElmar for sixth, and then another fifty beyond that to get into the top five, passing Jason Williams. Now, keep in mind, on all of these lists, everyone else has played four years. He's the only three-year guy on any of these lists. Yeah, the um, single and season. He, he already owns. Sorry, he already owns the single-season yardage record, uh, twelve hundred and twenty-one. So he's just going to add to that. And then touchdown-wise, he is now in a five-way tie. Five-way tie for first on the all-time Oregon touchdown list at twenty-four. So presumably that's tied with Kristen McAmore, uh, Keenan Henry, Jeff Mayo, and Josh Huff. Uh, I would be shocked if that doesn't fall quite soon and he'll be in sole possession of first place there. And then, of course, single season touchdowns, he already is at 13. So a little bit there. Yeah, he's, he's been phenomenal, and as much
1: as I would love to say that we're going to get another year of him, um, he's going to have to try to do this in whatever run Oregon makes here over the next couple of games because uh, he's going to be a very high draft pick and be a very wealthy man here in about six months.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bo Nix is also number two all-time in the Oregon record books for touchdowns responsible for, so that's passing and rushing touchdowns. He's at 83 behind Marcus at 134. Again, 83 in two seasons. Uh, forty three this year forty last year so that's a that's a pretty incredible two- year run um for Bo as well Marcus's numbers will never be topped in my lifetime I don't think. No, they're they're insane. And again, he, he had another year of eligibility too. So I mean, they could have been even more insane. But at, enough about that. Let's uh let's get back to the game. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. I mean, Arizona did Arizona State did kind of exactly what we thought we, they would, right? They they threw all the gadget plays out there. They were running reverses and they were running swinging gate. They had three players throw passes in this game. the three players throw more than four passes each in this game, uh, Conyers with four attempts, Catabo with six, and Borgay with thirty seven pass attempts. Um, none of them were particularly effective. They only averaged 4.4 yards per attempt against the Ducks, and they ran 18 times for 111 yards. They had a little more success in the run game, Average, actually averaged six yards a carry. Uh, most of it was on quarterback power, but what wasn't a quarterback running the ball kind of stuff. So they were they were basically playing you know, without a quarterback and just getting an extra blocker and had some success there. Never enough to sustain drives, but enough to have some chunk plays here and there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask Kenny and you give him truth serum, I think he's actually having a lot of fun despite the fact that this team sucks, um, because he gets to try every mad scientist weirdo offensive idea he's ever thought of in his head, and no one's going to look at him weird for it because they have to do that kind of stuff to even remotely move the ball, and so I think I think he's having a good time, and he's got like he's got like basically three players. He's got Conyers, Scadabo, and Badger. Um, and he's just trying to get them the ball and try to create an offense out of three guys without really much of an offensive line. And I think you got to give him credit for being creative and trying, um, but it's just, it was never going to be sustainable.
0: No, not at all. I, and I, I, but you're, like you said, it's it, there's no downside to it. And the, and the, like how many coaches would love to have a scenario where in a real live game, multiple games against real live opponents, you can actually try all of this wacky shit and see what works. Like that's a that's an unbelievable opportunity. And then you take that away and you you file it away for next season or some down the road when when you actually are playing games that matter and you can bring these wrinkles out because now you've actually seen, you know, you've you've done it and seen what what can work and you know on against a real opponent. It's interesting. I'm sorry, i, it's I a muted science, myself back. It's accident. a side slab. No, good. Um, it's just a science lab experiment you know and it, but you get to do it against a real live opponent
1: yeah it is and again I don't I don't think you're gonna see any of this become mainstays of a Kenny Dillingham offense but it's he's just doing what he has to do because if they just played a straight up they would have had zero success offensively I mean they, they really didn't have success offensively until we were really really deep down the depth chart but um He's he's trying to create something out of nothing, and and I, you got to give him credit for at least trying, right? Like he's not just throwing in the flag.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, Scadabo, you know, was kind of you know, like I said, he threw threw six passes, ran the ball eight times for fifty yards. He caught. Uh, he caught a pass as well. He just kind of does all the the gadgety things that he does. They were a really annoying offense to watch yesterday. Like I, I give the Ducks defense a lot of credit because, um, you know they probably had to learn a bunch of how to. Okay, if you see this, look here's what you have to do. Right? They had to learn a bunch of stuff for that game yesterday that they're never going to see again. Hadn't seen before, and and really the whole point is like, can you catch? Can you catch Oregon? You know out of position or not ready for a play because we're running all this weird stuff and realigning and moving people around and doing weird stuff and and to the Ducks' credit they didn't got they didn't get caught napping uh to the point where or anything you know where anything broke along on it right i mean they had they had some like you said some some minor success here or there but nothing uh you know nothing notable and nothing sustainable and uh, so i give the ducks credit for dealing with that annoyance because it was annoying for me as a fan to watch <laughs> like oh my god just go away already yeah, no, 100% and they 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 created
1: like Kenny was trying to use our defensive rules against us and if anybody's going to know kind of like the general rules of the defense like he's one of those guys because he spent time a lot of time with Dan um and we but we just played sound like they ran gate we aligned properly like we didn't we didn't get uh lazy eyes we didn't get we didn't peek into the backfield on some of their action and the secondary kept things in front and and tackled pretty well all things considered and uh I think it was a strong performance like they, they did what you would hope they would do in that situation against a team that's overmanned um and, and just trying to throw the kitchen sink at you. Like, I think once we had survived that initial script, because that first, that first drive was one of Arizona State's best, it was pretty clear that we were gonna be just fine in this game.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. we uh, we got to see a lot of um, defenders on the Oregon side of the ball yesterday, some that we hadn't seen. Cole Martin actually played a lot in this game, had an interception on <laughs> absolute uh, wounded duck throw by Scadabo that he never should have uh, put up in the air. So that was nice. He also almost had another one at another point in the game, but he played a lot in this game. It was nice to see both Florence and Kyrie Jackson uh, did play. Um, so they're they're obviously were healthy enough to play in this game. Obviously, you expect to see them probably more next week against Oregon State. Um, D- D- Damon David played in this game, which we hadn't seen him at safety in, in quite a long time. And just out of the blue, he was playing, and not just late. I mean, you know, he played – I don't know if he played in the first half but he played I'd say before garbage time and there were still other starters in the game as well Nico Reed was kind of back in the rotation again quite a bit so the ducks were really rotating a lot of guys in here uh, you know some of it because the game was out of hand but you know I wonder if some of it is hey let's let's see what some of these guys have as we get down the stretch run and, and may need some more players in, in the rotation. Yeah, I mean,
1: especially at safety because it's it's not a deep group. Um, kind of interesting, like looking at the snap counts, for example. Stevens Williams, uh, both well, Stevens played thirty-five snaps. Williams only played twenty-five. With Damon David playing twenty-six um, at linebacker, Jacobs and Bossa led with thirty-two, but Jackson had sixteen, Betcher had eighteen, Mixon had fourteen. Um, I don't want to just be listing everybody off, but I think there's a couple of positions where it's very notable. Um, for example, uh, Michael Gardner got eight snaps. Amari Washington got 15 snaps um, on the edge. Purchase played quite a bit, 10 snaps. Um, we had a stack in this game too. Yeah, at corner, or at, at defensive back, I should say. They have him listed as a corner for some reason. But Martin played 42 snaps, which led all defensive backs. Um Nico Reed played 26, Bridges. I mean, like, it was very evenly spread out across the board in terms of who played um, on defense, and that's good to see. And then, like, I, on the other side of the ball, um, the, the the second group of offensive linemen got a really good percentage of the game. Um, Laulu and Silva, uh, each, they split 24 snaps, 50-50 at left tackle. Yuli played 24 at left guard. Laulu and Pickard basically split 13 or 26 reps, half and half at center. Strather played 24 right guard Rogers, 24 right tackle. Um, and ultimately what that, what that does is that creates quality depth
0: um, and it gives you a lot of tape to evaluate going forward. Yeah. Which is really rare and great to have this time of year, this part of the season. So, uh, you know, good for that. I, I, you know, I got to go one more back on offense, Gary Bryant jr.'s touchdown. What a, what a heck of a play.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, Kind of something we've been hoping to see from him this year. So I think it's encouraging to see it happen um, in this game finally where he kind of gets out loose in the space and can make a big play.
0: Yeah, it was nice. That spin move on the first guy, and then he kind of uh, ran through about three more tackles on his way to the end zone. So, you know, it was was great to see him use that speed and and some of his skills to his advantage. Well, you know, be nice to have a third, kind of a third receiver really step up, you know, as we get down the stretch run, not necessarily that it's needed or required. And I think you said this the other day is it's kind of more with Oregon about just committee and opportunity. And, you know, between, between Gary and Trayshawn and Herbert and, and, um, and uh, Ferguson, like it's always going to be somebody. And as long as it's somebody, it doesn't, necessarily matter who so much you know from the duck standpoint
1: yeah i think the thing that i'd love to see continue is our young guys to get more and more snaps um at, at running back because I, I think that you're going to end up putting too many carries on on the the top two uh, And now i understand that these games are going to get more competitive as we move forward because basically every game from here if we win gets harder so you're going to be in garbage time very very
0: probably few and far between yeah yeah because yeah you got oregon state this week if you win there you're playing washington again and if you win there obviously you're you're playing uh, a really really good football team not that those two aren't either but um all right anything more you want to talk about this game
1: no, again, I think that the value here is that the, the, the first teamers went in, took care of business, jumped out 42 to zero, um, and then allowed a ton of developmental reps, which is this is probably the last game of the season where we're going to get that quantity of them. I think we'll get some this week, but um, getting a whole half of football for the young guys is good stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we both picked Oregon to cover in this one, and they did. So did Justin. So uh, quality on us there. This next game, I'm the only one who picked uh, correctly. I picked uh, Washington with plus the two and a half. They went down to Corvallis and won 22 to 20, even though Washington did not score a single point in the second half of this game. It was a very rainy game, start to finish, poured the whole time. Um, pretty ugly kind of football game, which which played to Oregon State's advantage, uh, if you will, and, and Washington – um. yeah, <laughs> just like they do every week, they, they managed to find a way to win a, a one-score football game, and, and they did, and they're still 11-0. Yeah, I mean, they're just a team that if you give them an
1: opportunity to win the game, they're going to win the game. And Oregon State gave them way too many opportunities to win this game. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on this game because uh, we're going gonna to talk a lot of Oregon State on Thursday. But Oregon State – just completely out-coached themselves in this game. In my opinion, like <clears throat> oh, there's so much like little stuff that they do and like they, they got they got away with it against a lot of teams this year. Um but for example, like sec- second drive of the game, Oregon State really gets into a rhythm offensively, goes down long drive, executes really well, basically playing in 5-yard increments. Um and scores, and then they do that stupid thing that they do every week, where they play the the backup quarterback for the third drive, and they just completely and they went three burn, and out They go three and out, completely <laughs> burn a possession for no reason other than to say that they could, they did. That's not a productive use of a possession in a game against the top uh, an undefeated team at home. Um, like that's just one example of Oregon State outcoaching themselves. Um,
0: but well, it, was right, it was right after it, that was too the, the timing of it. I mean, I know they, you know they play him the third possession of every game. Apparently, is their thing that they've done forever. But I don't, I, at some point, you have to look at the game situation, right? I mean, they, they had just had the the safety that their previous possession, right, where they snapped the ball over the punter's head into the end zone, and, and Washington got two free points off it, and then their defense actually stopped Washington at midfield. You know, forced a, uh, forced a punt. And that's when you bring in Chiles, right? Like, here's an opportunity to kind of take advantage of to take a little bit of momentum. And your, and your offense yeah. was in
1: rhythm, and then they just completely took themselves out of it. And and then also like, Oregon State, and, and this is something that I want to highlight going into next week's game specifically. They do absolutely, they do almost nothing to recapture a box in the a box count. So what I mean by that is like. Oregon will run an RPO or run zone read, um, or they'll run the quarterback in order to create create a box, a hat advantage in, at the line of scrimmage that would otherwise not exist, to hold a player, put a player in conflict, and to hold them out of the run game. Not only did Oregon State not run, I don't think, a single RPO in this game, um, but the only thing that they did was occasionally run DJ, and I don't think they did that nearly often enough um, to be successful in this game. And so – As the game wore on, Washington did what every Washington team that knows they can't stop the run for the last half decade has done, and they went to a bear front and they just said, "Hey, you beat us on the outside." And everybody in the world that has watched any Oregon State this year knows that Oregon State can't, even if it isn't a torrential downfall, downpour. Um, So, I I don't know. Like I, I think it was a poorly played. I I think play calling was bad on in that game. they, they timed their screens well is about the only nice thing I could say about the play calling uh, but they, they every time that they got stuffed or didn't get a big gain on first and ten in the run game they immediately went to a pass and then they were immediately in third long and but they, it was came...
0: it wasn't even that it was a pass it was that it was like an incredibly yeah. low low percentage pass right yeah like we, it, it, it was like a throw it down the sideline to a short receiver who's gonna maybe have a 15 percent uh, you know chance to catch this ball like yeah, it's not I mean, even like, hey, let's try to get five yards. Let's try to get six, You know, cut the distance down. It's like, let's take a shot play 30 yards down the sideline. Uh, it, it just made no sense. And this is
1: like, again, well, well, DJ's average air yards per target looked really good in that game, but they weren't taking a profit, and they were constantly behind the chains, and they lost. So, like, a smart offense sometimes is dinking and dunking a little bit, is taking the profit, is – is being okay with uh, a four or five, six yard gain on second down so that you're ahead of the chains. And then especially like at the end of that game where Oregon state is in a, is in a four down situation and then they're, they're throwing bombs on second and long, like you're, yeah, you have yeah, four downs. All you have to do is average two and a half yards of carry. And all you've done successfully this game is run the ball. They, they I don't know that they completed a,
0: a, a pass downfield the entire game. Um, yeah, that, that drive in particular. So this is their last series of plays, right? So they have first and 10 at their own 42. They lost one on the first down run. Okay. Then they threw, like, one of those sideline passes that had no chance. Basically give away a down. Now it's third and 11. On third and 11, they completed a pass for six yards. So it made it fourth and five. What if they had run that play on second down? Right, and gotten the five yards of second down and put themselves in a third and a third and five with, with knowing you have two yard two plays, because you're not gonna you know, it's four down territory. Then you can actually run the ball twice and convert. Right? it it's just maddening.
1: And, and, and they lost the turnover battle um yeah very decisively. Yeah. Um again, trying to force the ball downfield uh in particular. So I again Oregon State they look like a staff that doesn't even understand what their own strengths and weaknesses are, um, the way they called this game, especially given the conditions. Like this was a game where you're completely justified running the ball 80% of the time and then and really just running zone read the entire game. I mean, their they're, they're, they're bread and butter is outside zone. Like is it really that hard to just not block a backside end and let DJ read them? And even if DJ makes a bad read, it's probably a plus three play because he's 251 pounds, or whatever they said 6,000 times on the broadcast. So, uh, it, like on the Oregon State side, that on the Washington side, uh, this was the Rome, this was the Roman Penix show. It was their only offense. Um, they ran the ball pretty effectively, actually. I shouldn't say that it wasn't their, their only offense, it was their only explosive offense, it was their only passing game. Penix had at one point a 10 incompletion in a row drought. Um, Washington was still just trying to chuck the ball instead of going back to the run. I I don't know what Washington was doing offensively in this game. They got shut out in the
0: second half and still won. Um, Yeah, they only had 270 total yards in this game, Um, 160 passing, 110 rushing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was like they got those two early touchdown passes to Rome and and then that was that was pretty much like you said their whole offense. Obviously, they got the the conversion on the last their last drive that allowed them to run out the clock, which ended the game as well. And that was the same thing just back shoulder throw to to Rome and and let him make the catch. Yeah, but, that's a ballsy I mean, play
1: call, but it, it's it is their best offense. Um, but what, Oregon State like threw this game in the first half with turning the ball over and giving great field position over and over again. Dylan Johnson offered them a gift and they gave it right back. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I I was, uh, as, as an interested party, I had bet on Oregon, on Oregon state to win this game, to win this game. Um, obviously i had picked them on the podcast and Oregon state just come like, if I, if I'm like Michigan state or if I'm UCLA watching that game and I can get Jed fish, like I want Jed fish. Like that was, that was, that was horribly managed by the Oregon state coaching staff. Um, and the only reason that game was close at all is because of the conditions. If that was good conditions, Michael Penix and that Washington passing game are going to end up top for forty-five on Oregon State because that secondary is bad. They, they they were making some decent plays in in the in the weather, but that was more so Penix being off the mark or receivers dropping the ball than it was actually great
0: coverage. Yeah, Washington's receivers dropped a lot of passes, but particularly in the first half of that game. Uh, all right, let's move on from that. We got Utah down in the desert of Arizona, and oh my gosh, this one was an absolute uh, stomping. I I was expecting this to be a competitive game. I mean, Utah's been a pretty competitive team for the most part on the season, and they were still playing for a potential spot in the Pac-12 title game. But so was Arizona, and Arizona. I, I mean, if Jed Fish isn't the coach of the year in the Pac-12 this year, like I, I don't I don't know how you don't give it to him. I, I don't. I guess I guess Deboer would be the only other choice, but it's in my mind, It's got to be Jed Fish. They won forty-two to eighteen at home, moved to eight and three, six and two in the conference. Um, they have a they're the if they win and Oregon loses, then they will be playing in Vegas for the Pac-12 title game. So c- credit to Arizona who just rolled it up on Utah.
1: Yeah, they they looked like a way better football team and like Utah. I, I regret taking – did I take Utah? I think I did. No, you took Arizona. All right, good. I'm smarter than I thought I am. Um, Justin took Utah. <laughs> you and I took Arizona. Utah is just completely like, – Utah is going to be a really good football team next year, um, depending on who does and doesn't come back. Well, Sounds Cameron
0: like, Rising announced today he's coming back.
1: Yeah, so like Utah, to me, is immediately a Big 12 favorite next year with that. If Keithy's back as well, the defense is going to be really, really good. Um but they just they have they have nothing to offer offensively at this point in the season. Like Washington, made they need to like...
0: go out and get some receivers in the portal. Sorry for interrupting you. Yeah, they do.
1: But I think it's also a quarterback issue. The running backs are banged up. The tight ends are super banged up. They just they don't have anything left.
0: No, no, I'm just talking about next year. If if you're getting okay, you're getting Cam Rising coming back. Go get him some playmakers. For the love of God, go get him some playmakers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Oops, I don't
1: disagree. You gotta you gotta get, get them some guys to throw the ball to, but I, I it wouldn't have mattered in this game. Arizona was the better football team. They looked more prepared. They're way more explosive offensively, they have way more weapons offensively. Um so
0: Yeah, Fafita another another solid game, two hundred fifty yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Tadrella-McMillan continues to have a really, really strong season Eight catches, 116 yards and a touchdown Also threw a touchdown pass early in the game in this one To uh, Jonah Coleman, who had 90 yards Sorry, not to Jonah Coleman I don't know who he threw it to Sorry, Jonah Coleman ran for 90 yards and a touchdown For Arizona And their offense was was moving along They had uh, 450 yards in this game almost well, Jaden Coleman is a damn
1: good back. I think he's one of the most underrated backs in the conference.
0: Yeah, I wonder, you know, after next week, maybe we'll start talking about some of the predictions for conference awards, or um, you know, kind of looking back on our predictions anyway on conference awards, and maybe looking at um, you know, some what the all conference teams may look like. And there's some positions that are like receivers, a really competitive position in the conference. We start looking at there's only There's only first team second team there's an honorable mention and you know there's going to be some really good receivers left off of that list this year um i kind of it it doesn't matter anymore because the conference is no more but i i really wish some of these some of these all conference honors and all american honors would move toward more modern um division of 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 players like they have two first team running backs but only two first team receivers and almost everybody runs three wide right like i don't know this feels like you're not giving enough spots and i don't know how these new conferences you got 18 team conference next year in the Big 10 like it's well, going to be possible for for players to make to all-conference teams in an 18 team conference it'll actually mean something finally well, that's true. If you're if you're if you're first team uh, all conference in an eighteen team conference, that's pretty that's gonna be damn impressive. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's move on from that one. UCLA USC uh, the the Trojans did not win a game in November and they fell to seven and five on the season. Um uh, gotta be an extremely disappointing year for everyone associated with USC, their fan base, Caleb Williams, Riley. Everyone, it's, it's, I don't know. It, I don't know what's going to happen down there in the off season. It's going to be really interesting to watch. But I mean, they were not. They got blown out. They got blown out at home by UCLA, their rival, thirty eight to twenty. Yeah, they UCLA uh, just smoked them in the third quarter. <laughs> They
1: turned the ball over and the UCLA front just completely feasted on that garbage offensive line. Um, and Chip was the better offensive coach on the day. Like, UCLA had them schemed
0: up a lot. Yeah. USC ran for three yards. Three yards. <laughs> yeah.
1: UCLA has a good front. Like, I don't think it's a guarantee that Oregon has the best front in the conference right now. And that's saying something because I think Oregon's pretty good up front, but UCLA, specifically from a, prash, uh, a pass rush, a, prash, a pass rush standpoint, with the Murphy twins, Liatu Latu, Jay Toya, um, and their backers, I think I think they've got the best pass rush in the conference, and they just harassed. They were just unbelievably active. Um. So uh, UCLA. UCLA like do they fire chip? Do they keep chip? Like in my opinion, like if you're if you were leaning towards firing chip before this game shouldn't change that. Um but if you fire chip, you have to understand that you're doing it for recruiting because he's he's the best coach you're going to get.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, right. that's an interesting one for them. I I see I can see the uh I can see both sides of that one. I can see why you might want to uh why you might want to sign them and my, why you might want to fire him and why you might not, it's uh, it's a tough one. We'll be interested to watch. And then obviously they still have a game against Cal next week, so we'll see how that goes as well. And Cal's playing for a bowl game now because they went to Stanford and, uh, and won the game as a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. And they took care of business at Stanford. And they've actually exceeded uh, my expectations for their win total this year, QB. Yeah.
1: Uh, wait, Stanford or Cal?
0: A cow. They're five and six now.
1: Wasn't the over under five and a half?
0: Yeah, which they can they can uh, potentially they're not, beat. They're not. No, they're
1: getting they're getting smoked next week. Especially now that Chip might be able to keep his job.
0: Let's hope so. Because remember, we put all the podcast money on the calendar. Yes, all $5. <laughs> <laughs> it's important, KB. We might not be able to keep the lights on if we lose this bet. Yeah, well... Uh, no, um, seriously, though. 27-15, Cal. Go ahead. No, it's just that, you know, just, the Jade Knott um, leads the conference in rushing, put up another 166 yards and a touchdown. Um, he also caught a couple balls. I, I, You know, he's if I was voting for all conference backs it would be him and Bucky um, and I say that because Bucky does lead the conference in all purpose yards because he also has over 300 yards receiving he also has a lot of touchdowns but I know Martinez is obviously right up there as well it's gonna to be tough it's gonna to be tough to see who the who the two I, to me it's those three are the best three in the conference or the most three deserving it'll be tough to see kind of where it ends up one of them's getting left out yeah. I um
1: I think that to me it would have to be Martinez and Bucky I think they're, they're the two best backs but both based on talent and uh, production
0: yeah yeah we'll see what happens this uh so right now Kaza has the most yardage he's got he's got 1100 yards 11 touchdowns yeah it's it's a it's a three three horse race for sure all right. Cal gets the win there. Colorado got smoked at home. Was it at home? No, they were on the road. They went up to Wazoo and got smoked 56-14. And are the Cougars back? They're now 5-6 and six also with a chance to get to 6-6 six and six if they can win in the Apple Cup. Yeah, well, they're not
1: going to win in the Apple Cup. They're going to get smoked because they always get smoked in the Apple Cup. Um, but it was good to see Washington State act, act like they cared for 60 minutes on on Friday night. Um Colorado's really bad. Um, and yeah, I think
0: they're 1-7 in the conference now.
1: Our friend Bud Elliott of the Cover 3 podcast has said this really well multiple times. is like, when you're a really bad team that gets everyone's bad, best shot, you're going to lose a lot of games because <laughs> everyone is excited to dunk on them. And so um,
0: – I, I posted during the game. Sorry, go ahead.
1: They also lost an offensive line recruit today to Missouri. So, um, we'll, we'll see how that offensive line shapes up for next year.
0: <laughs> Just, wait does he not believe apparently he does not believe apparently he does not believe I I posted during this game on Friday night that, um, that prime prime's mouth wrote a lot of checks in the off season and in September. And unfortunately he's not the one who had to cash those checks. His team did. And particularly his son did and uh, his son was cashing a lot of checks all season long and in this game uh, from his backside, and, and he got knocked out of this game a couple times. Uh, he's a warrior. I mean, sure there's a good player, and he's a tough guy, but, I mean, no one could take that kind of abuse and punishment that he's taken all season long and stand up to it. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a baller. Shiloh's a
1: I, – I can't stand that kid. No, I, I think he's a cheap shot guy. I don't <clears> like <throat> him. I mean he's, he's got he's got like he's got that chip on his shoulder like the the less talented brother that knows he's the less talented brother but his attitude just is unbelievably
0: off-putting. But yeah, you can have a chip on your shoulder and not play dirty. Like, you know, you don't have to play dirty and I think he plays dirty. So, I'm not going to give him credit. All right, that's it for the Pac 12. We will go to the National Games now Georgia and Tennessee, and as expected, Georgia. I, I mean, Tennessee is a fraud. They're still somehow ranked. QB, how the heck is Tennessee still ranked in the top twenty-five? They got smoked, thirty-eight to ten. They're seven and four now in the in on the conference. They they have not beaten anybody good, and somehow they're still in the top twenty-five.
1: Yeah, I got nothing to add. Um, you saw my tweet, obviously. I I have no idea why they're ranked at all.
0: I mean, here's their here's their wins: Virginia, Austin P, UTSA, South Carolina, Texas A and M, Kentucky, and Yukon. That's their seven wins. Where's the win? Where's the good win? Any in, in, in that group? Kentucky? I guess that's it. Um, yeah, Kentucky's not very good, but it's okay. Exactly. A and M, South Carolina. I mean, they lost to Florida. They lost to Bama. They lost to Missouri. They got smoked by Missouri. They got smoked by Georgia. This is not a top 25 football team. Give me a break. Maybe the the college football playoff committee will have better sense. We'll see. Uh, Georgia just – Georgia's back. They're rolling. Defense, offense. Carson Beck, 24 for 30, 298 yards, three touchdown. He is starting to really click at quarterback. Um, You know, the running back by committee – 156 yards on the ground, not, not a great average. I'd say that's, you know, but they're throwing the ball, you know, so much more effectively this year. They've gotten some weapons back Bowers is Bowers is out there playing. Um, you know, they're, they're Georgia's Georgia and they're going to be a tough out for anyone. Uh, that that Bama Georgia game. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a hell of a ball game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be primetime viewing. And, and the best part is, is one of the two best teams in the country is going to get knocked out of the playoff in it. So, um, <laughs>
0: Makes it a little bit yeah. easier for everybody else. That is true. Ohio State rolled over Minnesota thirty-seven to three. I think didn't you talk about Minnesota on our, on our previous show? How many would they score under, over, under ten, or yeah? Even I, I said they would score
1: more than ten, and they scored three. Um, yeah, and one of our loyal listeners and that was met, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yes, yeah. One of our loyal listeners and one of my one of our good friends um, really wanted me to steal his money in this game and i refused out of respect for him um and uh, i'm 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 thankful uh that i i didn't have to take his money in this game
0: you can't let you can't let your friends bet you on emotion like that just be that's just that's just mean-spirited yeah like that's extortion
1: especially when he's trying to bet on minnesota to score score offensive points
0: yeah, we didn't we didn't preview this game, but I do want to touch on it. Michigan thirty one twenty four at Maryland. Um, they get their one thousandth win in uh, in program rushed history. They're the first to team field. thousand. They rushed <laughs> the field in in Maryland for it. And and guess what QB? Chances are, when they win their thousand again in a couple of years after they have to redo some of them that are vacated, maybe they'll be at home. Maybe they can rush the field at home the next time. I don't think they're gonna be vacating wins.
1: <laughs> but it I do think it's hilarious that me. they rushed I know, but I do think it's funny as hell that they rushed the field to Maryland. Like that is that's a good joke. That is a good joke. That's um, a funny, Maryland
0: falls to six and six. They were five and one to start the year. They fall to six and five, sorry. Um at this point of the year. But, but Michigan I they're I I think Ohio State's gonna beat them because I don't think Michigan could pass the ball.
1: I don't think the problem is, okay. So th- this is the problem I see in this game. I I don't think Ohio State has a very good offensive line or a very good quarterback, um, but I do think that they're a little bit – like they have the ability to go up top because of who their receivers are. Um, it's going to come down to which quarterback plays better in my my estimation because both of these defenses are very good. Uh, but Marvin Harrison Jr., despite him – does he deserve the Blitnikoff this year for his performance? No. Is he actually the best receiver in the country? Absolutely yes. Yes. Um, and so having a guy like that, like that's like having a nuclear weapon, right? So it, it, it's
0: kind of the trump card if you can get him the ball. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in Michigan. I don't believe in them. Uh, they, they barely squeaked by Maryland 31, 3124. All right, let's go on. We've got Florida and Missouri. Um, they're a close game. Uh, Missouri wins 33, 31 at home to move to nine and two. They're ranked in the top 10 still. Florida falls to five and six on the year. They got to beat Florida State next week if they want to make a bowl game. Uh, what do you think about this one? I thought it was a lot closer than I expected. Um, it got it
1: got blown late by some really bad coaching decisions. Uh, but it was it was a close game, and I I just think that they're they're going to keep fighting. Like they're competitive. I, I I think a lot of the calls for the coach to get fired are very premature. I don't understand that. What's this? this is the second year, right? Yeah, this is year two, and he's recruiting well. Why,
0: Why are and you did, firing a coach in year two who's recruiting at the top five level? That that doesn't make any sense to me. In a, yeah. in, a in the SEC, in a tough conference with a tough schedule, like a,
1: yeah, and and right? they're competitive even against teams that are better than them, right? And like they have a lot of young guys making plays. Um, they got the the quarterback of the future committed in DJ Lagway. Um, I think I think Florida is going to be a real serious team here in probably twelve months are they going to be like a national title contender yet? No, but I think that by his fourth year they will be. Not national title, but like possibly they'll be a playoff contender, especially in the 12 team playoff. Um so Yeah. But they they did like that like that was an unbelievably botched end of game. Like they had guys running out of bounds instead of instead of staying down in bounds to run out the clock. They gave up a fourth and 17. Um it was it was mismanaged by players and coaches. Yeah, I hear you. But Brady Cook, the, the uh, quarterback for Missouri, is a really good player. Luther Burden's a really good player. Uh, Schrader, the the running back, is a really really good player. So, like Missouri is not a bad football team. Um, I think I think Missouri would take a, most of the teams in the Pac-12 out back and give them a pretty good ass beating. So,
0: oh for sure. That's so yeah. Losing by two is not you know to that team in a game you probably should have won. Like you said, without those coaching blunders, it's uh, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Kansas State, Kansas. Uh, Kansas State wins thirty-one twenty-seven. I expected this game to be uh, to be a much higher margin. I I thought Kansas State. I think I said this on the previous show was going to win by two touchdowns. But give Kansas credit; they fought hard at home. They come up short in this one 31-27.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're definitely playing from a deficit of a talent perspective. They're also playing with their third-string quarterback. So the fact that they were even competitive in this game, they held the lead for a good chunk of it, um, I think says a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, Kansas State, I think, is still alive for the Big 12 title game. Um, but they need some help, and it's going to be a fun finish to see what happens there. And finally, Clemson, North Carolina. Clemson wins 31-20. At home, I'm the only one who picked Clemson in this one. Uh, you guys both picked North Carolina. Drake May, you know, 209 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Club Nick, 219 for a touchdown. Um, Clemson's, after their kind of terrible start, they're they're kind of playing better. They've won three in a row now, I think. They're 4-4 four and four in conference. They're 7-4 on the season. I'm not saying they're back to form, but they seem to have not, you know, the right of the ship a little bit, I guess, as you come down the stretch of the season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 playing better football now. Um Oklahoma State in my opinion has that big twelve title spot pretty much locked up. I mean, I think they play BYU this week for it. So
0: Yeah, I think you could be right there. I mean, I know they're the favorite to get that spot and, and play Texas in the title game, so that'll be something to watch for as we come down the home stretch here and, and all these games are gonna count, right? I mean it's a log jam in the playoff standings, and nobody's losing. I mean, it, it, now these, some of these matchups are going to start happening. But, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you've got Ohio State, Michigan playing. So one of those has to lose now. But other than that, it's like, and you'll have Georgia and Bama will play in a couple of weeks. And then, you know, pretend, you know, probably Washington, Oregon will play again in a couple of weeks. But, you know, they're still, without an upset happening either this coming weekend or during the conference title games like there's still more teams than spots so it, it could be the final year of the four-team playoff could be the hardest year for the committee to pick the four uh if, if chalk could used to hold it will be so we'll see what happens agreed anything more you want to cover today qb wait what was our oh we got to do our updated we power, rankings. Do power but- rankings but i also want to know what our records were this week oh all right you went six and five I was seven and four and Justin was five and six. So I will take the weekly crown, which is a rare honor and I will cherish it greatly because it might be the last time I do. So um, I'll get the updated uh, seasonal totals for our next episode.
1: Yeah. I don't even next year. Yeah. We're changing it up. We're not just going to bet every game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll, well, I got a couple ideas. We'll talk offline. Cause I, I agree. just, this, this format's a little bit stale. I want to change it up. I want to do some different I'm tired things next year. for As not well. having
1: a great ATS, like, record when, when, <laughs> when i have to pick a bunch of games that i would never touch with a 10-foot pole
0: i know i know sorry i know i'm passionate about that blame me blame me i picked the format it's not not qb's fault all right that he sucks at picking the games that i choose right. and to make it like you all right, all right. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on all right
1: power rankings you all right power rankings. all right so uh colorado sucks they're 12 we agree yep Colorado 12. Agreed. Uh, Stanford also sucks, but they suck slightly less. So they're 11th.
0: I also have Stanford at 11. I have ASU at 10. Yes. Agreed. And then Wazoo, because
1: they can turn on and off being average or sucking on a weekly basis, has to be the tallest midget of that group. So we're going to have them at 9. Correct. Okay. And then Cal at 8 only because they beat Wazoo head-to-head last week, but I actually think Wazoo is a better team. I would agree with that. Okay. And then Utah, because Utah has lost the head-to-head against literally every team in front of them now at this point almost.
0: I have U- USC here. Uh,
1: wait, I don't have USC on my sheet. Okay, so yeah,
0: I got USC. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have Utah twice. You got USC at seven like me?
1: Yes, I have USC at seven, then Utah at six. I apologize. I also have that as well. And then I've got UCLA at five. Agreed. um, Because they have a good defense. Um, And then I've got Oregon State, although I don't think they're particularly great either. (laughs) And then Arizona, and I do think they are pretty good. Uh, And then Washington and Oregon to round out my top.
0: Yep. Yep. I think we have the same order for the first time this season. Maybe. Yeah, I feel like it's like
1: kind of settled out now. Like, I, w- all it took was twelve weeks of the season
0: to <laughs> kind of figure out where we're at. I you know, you could probably argue between Arizona State and Stanford. Maybe between ten and eleven, you could probably argue the flip flop there, but it, it's close. Mm, S- Stanford beat Colorado. you didn't. Yeah, but you have Stanford ahead of you have Stanford below Arizona State, so that's all I'm saying. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know,
1: I, but uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, it pretty
0: well settles I, I, in. It's hard to it's hard to really move anyone up or down w- with any. I mean, I guess you could argue Washington over Oregon, and some people would, but well, uh, you know, my rankings aren't transitive. Like, but but head to head does
1: matter some to me. But like if we played these games right now, Oregon's going to be favored against everybody. Washington will be favored against everybody but Oregon. And Arizona would be favored against everybody but Oregon and Washington. Yeah. Like those are the three yeah. best teams with, right. with a bullet um, in the conference. So,
0: Yeah. And then you've got, I mean, Oregon State, UCLA. Those are kind of like, – it feels to me like Oregon State, UCLA, Utah, USC, they're kind of all – somewhat interchangeable like i could see any of those teams beating any of the other ones it's just kind of becomes a matchup thing who's playing at home who's who's on that day kind of thing yeah but yeah i agree and then you get to the cal wazoo arizona state stanford colorado i mean colorado's the worst i i I think that's pretty clear Um, i just
1: i i'm like this is gonna sound stupid because it goes against my own interest anyone saying that this is the best conference in college football is drunk. Like this is not the best conference not, in college football. It's not it's not. it's not. it's not. Is it better than the big 10 right now? Yeah. But I, I think that yes. I think Penn state would put everybody from three through 12 in a wood chipper and they're the third best team in that league.
0: So. Um, <clears throat> I just think that with the big 10, like after Penn state, it's a steep drop. So I, think, I admit, you know,
1: i don't know like does think- does oregon state score a point against iowa on a neutral field
0: i don't think so like yeah. I, I think iowa would just slowly i guess i'd say it's pretty com- i'd say those two conferences are pretty comparable I w- then i would say iowa would slowly
1: punt oregon state further and further into their own territory until they get a safety <laughs> and then win 2-0 <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that would be my prediction um, for i uh over i i'd take a game total of under two and a half with the only points scored being iowa defense scoring a safety or a pick six well, i i guess I. sorry or, I mean you. or dju throwing a pick six to cooper dejean that gets re- re- returned for six i guess i know that he's hurt now but uh like I, don't, I think the Pac-12 is still garbage. I just think that Oregon and Washington, for the first time, you actually have two really good teams at the top in a while. Um, and I, I think that'll show on Friday when Oregon plays Oregon State.
0: What this season has clar- solidified for me is something that I've been saying for five, six, seven years is I actually really hate the whole conference versus conference narrative. Uh, I find it completely uninteresting um and stupid quite frankly because let's let's just compare teams like that's what we should be doing like which teams are better than which other teams across the country and like you know you know so instead of saying like oh the pac 10 is better than the big 10 or the big 10 is better than the sec or the sec is better than the pac 12 like let's just say like okay georgia and alabama are you know here and and washington oregon are here and and penn uh, sorry, penn state and ohio state and michigan are here and let's take all of these teams that we know are really good teams and let's figure out the order of them instead of like having this stupid like argument by extension around which conference is better than which other conference because you know the seventh place team the seventh best team in one conference beat the ninth best team in another conference in a game in september like I just I'm I just hate that. I'm so glad we're moving to this power two structure because now we'll actually be able to just talk about the teams, you know, a little bit more and the conferences a little bit less, hopefully.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I mean, it, it'll still be a conference thing. It'll just be like Big Ten and SEC fans arguing with each other every year about which conference is better.
0: Yeah, it's just I'm not interested in which conference is better. I'm interested in which team is better. And, and thankfully, we're going to have a 12-team playoff, and so we'll all know. Yeah. All
1: right, QB, anything else? No, I've got nothing to add other than uh, go Ducks. Um, I'm really excited to beat the absolute piss out of Oregon State on Friday. Um, and uh, I think that we're probably going to play them again. I don't think this is going to be the last time ever.
0: Yeah, that was announced today. The Apple Cup is on. They have uh, they have plans to play the next five years. So they're going to play at a quote unquote neutral site in Seattle at the, the Seahawks Stadium next year, 2024, and then they'll have alternating home and away games for the next four years. After that, I'm sure we'll go beyond that. But that's the that's the first contract is five years. So I think the ball is now in the in the court of Oregon and. Um, and Oregon state to try to figure out how they can keep the civil war going. And I will continue to call it that until they give us a new name. Um, So continue to keep that, that game going for the foreseeable future. It sounds like the plan right now is Oregon is trying to either cancel or modify or move their, their next two games against Boise state um, into the future to try to get Oregon state on the calendar for next season, the next two seasons. So stay tuned. We'll see if that happens. Well, and uh, that's all I got QB. We, so we open with that. We, we owe Boise
1: a couple cans too. So like, I, I would like to see those games played because we need to, we need to get that all time record going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, my only thing is, like, I look around every other every other premier program in the country. Guess who the only premier program in the country is that plays road game against group of five teams? Oregon, we're it, we're it. Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, Washington, USC, UCLA, name them all. None of them go and play road games against group of five teams, and yet we are going to on the road to Boise. We're going on the road to Utah State. We just We need to start acting like an elite program and stop scheduling this garbage. Yeah. All right. At QB11SD on Twitter. At DouglasTS on Twitter. At QB11Show on Twitter. We're still looking for a 1,000 follows. Help us get there. Follow the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever other – App, uh, whatever other listening you do it, right, platform we good? you enjoy. <laughs> I'm tongue-tied. Wherever you like to All listen right. to podcasts, follow us there, please. Um, and we will catch you for our preview of the Civil War. Uh, we'll probably record Wednesday night, so that episode will be out for Thanksgiving. Enjoy us uh, on your drive to your family or your friends or wherever you're hanging out. Catch our show, and we will uh, we'll catch you after, before Thanksgiving, and then after the game on Friday. Thanks, everybody.